This week, Madison Sperry talks about her decision to become a canine officer. And I was like, I need to tell you something. And you know, like when you, when you tell like your parents that, cause like I said, I mean, I consider her, you know, like one of my parents, it's like one of those, you feel like you're about to tell them you're pregnant or something. Like I need, I need to talk to, I need to tell you something. I never had and that so- <laughs> discussion with my parents. I'm sorry. Mom, I'm pregnant. <laughs> so she stops what she was doing and she looks over at me like this serious face and she's like, I already know. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I want to go, I, I want to become a, a police officer and I want to do canine. And she just, you know, she smiled and she said, I kind of figured, you know, that was happening. She was, I mean, she was really sad. Um, you know, and she's like, she, she tried to talk me into saying, she's like, I'll get you another dog. You can train dogs here. You can have as many dogs as you want here. Just don't leave. You know, I mean, she, she was trying to do anything and everything to keep me at the ranch. And I just, you know, I just, I, like I said, I felt like, um, my wings needed to, to expand. Welcome to Game of Crimes. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, amigos, amigos, players, playerettes, dudes, dudettes, everything in between. Welcome back to Game of Crimes. I am the host with the most, the most hair, the most good looks. I am Morgan Wright, and I'm here literally with my partner in crime. Hey, this is Murph, everybody, and you, you know we ter- we typically refer to Morgan as the pain in the ass, but you know that already, right? Peta. <laughs> there you go. That's a new name for you. PETA. Well, you know what? It's like the other one, too. There's uh, people for the ethical treatment of animals, unless you're from the Midwest, and it's called people eating tasty animals. So it depends on your definition of PETA. <laughs> All right. All well, right, we, guys. Hey, we're probably going to get some comments over that one, by the way. <laughs> oh, what? Hey, hate me. send us hate mail. That's, we, that's the only kind of mail we get lately. No, we've actually had some good comments. <laughs> Speaking of good comments, we'll get into those in just a minute. So my script says, okay, enough of the small talk. Okay, we're over now into housekeeping. So got to follow go. the script, Murph. So anyway, but uh, head on over to that Apple and Spotify. Hit those five stars. Let us know what you think of the show. And guys, it really does. It helps us out. Um, We have some interesting things coming up. We had a discussion about a new direction we may be taking, not with the show, but kind of some things we do with the show. And uh, those reviews and everything really help us with those kinds of discussions. So please keep those coming. Also head on over to our website, gameofcrimespodcast.com. One of our guests coming up, we had him recorded. It's somebody we met at the Southern California Game Conference. This was a great episode. This dude has six books out, and we're going to talk. Uh, th- this is going to be a good one. Just trust me. This is going to be good. Oh, it's, right. it's going. I'm already predicting it'll be one of the the highest listened to episodes that we do. Yes, yes. Good and stuff. if you're especially if you're listening to it uh, in a plane, it'll be a very highly listened to podcast. Oh gosh, but um, but um, thank you. Anyway, <laughs> and we will, and we're actually revising our merch list, uh, so we're going to pare it down. There's a lot of stuff on there. We're going to pare it down and we're going to just put in some new stuff there. So check that out. Also follow us on social media at game of crimes on the Twitter at game of crimes podcast on Facebook and the Instagram, but Murph, where do you got to be? Where do you got to be? I ask you once again, where do you got to be? Well, you've got to get over to Patreon because man, the content that's coming out there, I think we have more on Patreon than we have on our regular podcast or weekly podcast now. And it's, it's, Things where we kind of get in more into our personal opinions on certain topics, but uh, you know we try to bring timely what's going on in the news things there to your attention. 
Um, just a lot of the things we have fun with. The 911, you can't make this shit up. Uh, it's just crazy what's going on there. Case of the month, good stuff. But we got a good one coming up because I just am almost finishing, now that we have them all in the can, uh, finishing up the first episode of The Real DEA Narcos, talking about The Real DEA Narcos Cali Mm -hmm. edition. Mm -hmm. We've already, and guys, by the way, by the time, uh, when this comes out, you will see starting in July, we've uh, changed the um, uh, description on our Patreon page. So the levels all remain the same. What you get remains the same because we always added bonus content. All we're saying now is that when this new one comes out, this was a lot of effort. You're going to have to be at the Guardian of the Realm or Warden of the Throne level to get access to the Cali Cartel version of the real DEA Narcos. But trust me, it's going to be worth it. Believe oh. me. Believe me now. Hear me later. It will be worth it. I promise you. It's, it's, I've never heard anything this in-depth. I mean, even Narcos, they only had one season on the Cali Cartel. We're doing 16 hours of interviews with Chris Feistel and Dave Mitchell. That's the guys that brought down the Cali Cartel. There's nobody knows more about it than those two gentlemen. And I'm telling you right now, episode 12 will go down in history. We're waiting. You're going to have to hang in there to get to episode 12. But enough said about that. So, but guys, seriously, head on over there. Patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. Patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. Join with us today and become one of the players in the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all, the Patreon version of Game of Crimes. Hey, also head on over to PayPal.me slash Game of Crimes uh, or email us uh, at PayPal.com. Just use our email, Game of Crimes podcast at gmail.com. Whatever it makes it easier for you to support the show but a quick disclaimer this is a show about crime we talk about bad people doing bad things and bad people really bad people doing bad things to good people we do take the story seriously but we do not take ourselves serious that's why we're going to have some fun you're going to see here morgan and i picking on each other and and it's all in good fun so uh hang in there with us and speaking of hanging in there with us to have good fun murph it brings me up to that point guess what time it is it's time for Small town police blotter. Yay. Oh, and I'm telling you, this one, we've got, there's some stories here. I actually was going to put one in from You Can't Make This Shit Up, but I'm saving it for our Patreon version of You Can't Make This Shit Up because I'm telling you, you just can't. But anyway, (laughs) Steve, did you know that on 1036 a.m. on Monday? Now, Steve, during your time, uh, you know, working DA and stuff, you probably came across counterfeit money, right? Occasionally, not very often, though. Believe it or not. Now, but, 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 you know, what's one of the most counterfeited, you know, bills? Hundred dollar bills. Yeah. Well, guess what? A lady uh, at six hundred eight North Spurgeon, she found a million dollar bill and would like confirmation if it is real. Oh, of course, go spend that puppy. <laughs> go deposit it right now in the bank. <laughs> a million dollar bill. <laughs> million dollar bill. <laughs> no, but I'll tell you what. Do you have change for a five hundred thousand dollar bill? You know. <laughs> You know, there I, I think there were $500,000 bills years and years and years ago, but there hasn't... No, there's a $100,000 bill. Is that what it was? Yeah, $100,000 bill, yeah. But, I mean, the largest you're going to get Maybe. now is a $100 bill. $100 bill. Yeah, there's a $1,000 one, I think, yeah, something, but you'd have to go back in time. But, hey, guess what? We, we don't work for Treasury or Secret Service. <laughs> we don't care about that stuff. Just as long as our checks cleared the bank. That's all we care about. But speaking of that... Murph, we, we've had several uh, stories about people breaking into houses and doing strange things, right? Mm-hmm. Think about how much time it would take to accomplish this next one. Mm-hmm. A woman told officers that someone entered her home between 6 p.m. February 12th and 2 p.m. February 13th and replaced her carpet. Well, they can come over to my house. <laughs> we can use some new carpet in here. This carpet in my office is looking a little ragged. Yeah. If we find that suspect, give me his number. 
<laughs> if he does good work, I might hire him. But if he does it for free, even better. Hey, I, you, know, you know, my dad and my uncle owned a carpet store. I kind of grew up in that. Uh, and it's hard. That's hard labor, buddy. I tell you, the installers, they earn their money. Yeah. And anyway, but if you know them, send them our way. By the way, Steve. You've, you've, you work cases, you work crimes, you're trying to identify unsubs, you know, as we call them, you know, unknown subjects, mm -hmm. right? So getting a good description is always key, right? And yeah. most people don't get this descriptions right. I think this next guy nailed it, though. Okay. <laughs> a Marysville man met a woman in a Seattle bar, and she went with him to his house in the 7600 block of 45th Street or 45th Drive Northwest to spend the night. When he woke up, she was gone as was $700 in cash in his wallet. Guess what his description of her was? She was naked. She had red hair and large breasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, now, if my old partner Kevin Stevens was on here, that's all he would need. He could find her. That's all. That's, that's all I, I will track you down. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so that's the... the Thus endeth the reading for the day. Kyrie Domine Danius Requiem. Anyway, so anyway, hey, if you've got a good description uh, of a suspect that you know, send it our Absolutely. way. We would love to hear about it. Hey, we, you know, we love to hear from all your comments. And in fact, I was looking on Chartable earlier this week, and I didn't see any new comments on there. It was the same things I read last week. So, you guys, pick it up here. Tell us what we're doing gotta right, help. what we're doing wrong. Yeah, help us out. Toss us a bone here, people. We need the 411, as Dr. Evil would That's say. Right. But hey, Steve, speaking of uh, the 411, and I don't know how it gets us into the next section, but it's a good segue nonetheless. Um, this is another story that comes to us courtesy of Christy Schiller, mm -hmm. you know, one of our favorite people in the world and the work that she's doing. And this one, I got to tell you, this one is packed. It's loaded with attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Our guest is Madison Sperry. Police officer down in Texas, constable in the Houston, Texas area, canine officer. And, and if you remember, if, if you haven't heard of Christy Schiller, she founded Canines for Cops and Canines for Kids, which donates canines to law enforcement agencies, mostly here in the United States, but they've also donated one in France. But Madison is someone that, well, I don't want to tell her story. She has a unique way of getting into law enforcement and how she became a canine officer. You got this, this cute young lady out there with this you know, mean-ass dog, just to be quite honest with you, uh, doing her thing with the kids. And this story she tells you about her little friend that uh, was sick. I'm, oh, man, I tell you what, if I start thinking about it, I'll probably tear up here. But it's extremely motivational. And, and it's a perfect example of how law enforcement will go that extra mile just to help, you know, kids in need, anybody in need. It's, it, this is a motivational. This is a very inspirational interview we're going to listen to right now. Uh, and let me tell you what, you don't want to get crossways with her. Um, she'll tell you about her struggles through college. Uh, and the catchphrase for me was D is for diploma. <laughs> <laughs> she has such a great That's sense great. of humor. But I'll tell you, the best thing is, is when you s hear about the bond between her and her dog, uh, Quayla, how she got the dog, and that's not her working dog. I mean, but that's that's her dog that she takes to events. And one of the they've got a viral video with seventy over seventy million hits now, where they were doing a thing in school and they were getting the dog. And he everybody was doing these challenges, uh -huh. and they did who let the dogs out, and the dog barks in perfect time to it. Who let the dogs yep. out? Woof, yep. woof, woof. Anyway, so uh, I did a bad imitation of that. But hey, man, if you want to hear who really let the dogs out. What do we got to do, Steve? What do we got to tell people? Well, are you ready to play? Well, hold on. Oh, you're getting I'm, you're getting ahead I'm of yourself. This is a good interview. <laughs> yeah. So, but I have to ask you if you want to know who let the dogs out, I have to ask you one question: Are you ready to play the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all, the original and canine friendly game of crimes? 
Yeah, baby. Listen, everybody, get in, sit down, shut up, and hold on. Madison is going to blow you away with this story. Well, Murph, we, I tell you what, of all the episodes we do, the ones that seem to get a lot of feedback from mm-hmm. Patreon, from Facebook, Twitter, anything involving animals. And yeah. the canine episodes have been so popular with people. We thought, Let, let's do another one. And we're just struggling. <laughs> what could we do? Who could we find? Who has a lip syncing dog that is just a viral sensation? And there was only one person that came to mind. Madison Sperry. Welcome. That's her. Madison, welcome to the show, girl. Happy to be here. Now, and see, this is going to be the most popular because people are going to hear her speaking and they're going to say, oh, a limp syncing dog. And then they're going to go look at her pictures. And then they're going to realize why we wanted to have her on the show because we have a very beautiful young lady with us here today. And I don't have to look at ugly ass Morgan all night, all afternoon. You're just jealous of my hair, pal, because I still got it. It's flowing. Uh, it's like geez. Fabio, you know. If you but, want to uh, throw up Madison anytime. <laughs> <laughs> right, at least looking. he brushed his hair today because <laughs> I, mean, right, I didn't. Right. <laughs> well, let's be clear. So Madison works midnight. She says she just got up 10 minutes before this and you wouldn't know it. It's like threw her face on. She's ready to go. She's like camera ready. Except you wouldn't know I'm still in my pajamas, so. <laughs> no, we wouldn't until you told us that, so. Now, this is a family show. Now, keep clean here now. Hey, hey we're, <laughs> we're still family. We're very family friendly, so. We are. We truly are honored to have you on here, Madison. And and uh, we got to give a shout out to the person that connected us to you, and that's Miss Christy Schiller. I uh, love that lady. Haven't met her in person yet, but you actually worked directly for Christy, didn't you? I did. Um, I did for years. How'd that happen? Yeah. So, well, I mean, you want the life story, how how we got here? Well, let's not start when you were a babe in swaddling clothes. <laughs> we can kind of fast forward through some of that stuff. Yeah. Hey, but first of all, before we do that, let's tell everybody, where are you now and what do you do? So I am in Houston, Texas, and I am a law enforcement officer, uh, canine for Harris County Precinct 1 Constable in Houston, Texas. And how long have you been doing that? Six years. All right. So prior to that six years, you did time with Christy. Now let's talk about that. So <laughs> did time. <laughs> now, did you did she drive you into law enforcement? Is that what it was? Kind of, but she she actually didn't mean to. Um she she did it, she did it unknowingly. <laughs> and she kind of regretted it at the end. Um, because she created this monster. Um so she has a, uh, she has a horse ranch in college station. And so I moved down here from Kansas when I was 16. Um, oh, Kansas. Kansas. Yes. Well, take a look on my back wall here. Kansas highway patrol. I see it. <laughs> where, where were you from? Shawnee right outside of Kansas city. Know it well. Uh, actually one of my friends went to work there, uh, up in Shawnee on the police department there. So, um, I grew up in a little town called Chapman. Okay. See, connecting already. See, Steve, ha ha, ha ha ha. I, I, there's a lot of things I can, uh, comments I can make here, but I'm trying to be nice because hey, we just no, Shawnee, Shawnee, Madison, I don't want to sh- run her off. Yeah, don't do that yet. Kansas is a good place. In fact, we just got the interview before you. We spent three hours with a friend of mine that was on the Kansas Hot Patrol, got into the huge shootout that was in Western Kansas when you were a youth. But Danny Rometta, Lisa Dunn, they'd gone on a six-state multi-crime uh, killing spree. And so we just mm-hmm. got through 
talking about that. And now we've got another Kansas connection, Murph. It's a sign. It's a sign. This is going to be an excellent episode. So I you left. But I've, why, I've, I've got to get a mute button so I can shut you up here. <laughs> <laughs> but why would you want to leave the great state of Kansas? Come on. So my dad actually was diagnosed with cancer. And so we came down to the Houston area to be closer to MD Anderson. Well, oh, that is a great center. Yeah. Yeah. He ended up passing away though. Um, but we, we had family, um, down here. My stepmom had, had family down here. So we ended up staying in, in Texas. Um, you know, we brought horses and stuff down here. So it just, it suited us a lot better than living in, uh, Kansas. So, you know, we, we brought a horse named Toto. We followed the yellow brick road down to, oh my goodness. <laughs> down to now, Houston. <laughs> that's appropriate. Now, did you have a ranch then or a farm uh, up in Kansas where you said you had a horse? You brought horses down from Kansas? No. So we didn't have uh, – we kept them on on some land that was down the street from where we lived. We lived in the city, um, but right out right outside the city limits, uh, we, we boarded them at a, at a place that had like 50 acres. Um, so, you know, after school, we would, uh, we would walk there if our parents hadn't picked us up yet. And, you know, we'd go ride the horses and do all that. We, we were horse crazy. So moving to Texas was, you know, ideal. And I can see a connection already because Christy has a horse ranch and you liked horses. So uh, take us from there. So came down here, uh, went to Texas A&M. My freshman year at A&M, I had to live on campus. Uh, my parents said that, you know, that, that was the, the stipulation. I had to live on campus one year. So I was boarding my two horses at a facility uh, down, down the street. So, you know, I'm horse crazy, live, breathe, eat, sleep, horses. That, that's all I do. Um, didn't even have a dog at, the, at this time. Um, I, I actually, up until this point, I'd never even owned a dog of my own. Just we just I mean, we had family dogs, you know, but I never had a dog of my own. And uh, one day the uh, barn manager said that uh, there was a, a famous trainer coming in with, you know, a handful of horses Um they were boarding them here while their new facility was being built. So, you know, I mean, you, you, it's like anybody in the sports world, you know, you have your heroes, you know, who like JJ Watt is, you know, who Tom Brady is, that kind of thing. Well, when they said this lady's name, she's like a, a NFL quarterback of the barrel racing world. So, you know, introduce myself to her, you know, I'm just the, the happy go lucky, you know, Hey, if you need anything, you know, I'm always here kind of deal. And, uh, like two and and at the time I was already working three jobs going to call going to a and m full time and working three jobs um like two days later she offered me a job i don't I didn't know doing what I just knew that you know if if Tom Brady offers you a job, you don't ask questions, you just say, okay, <laughs> so I literally quit my other three jobs and uh didn't know what I'd be doing. I just knew that I would be working for her and she said that, you know, they have this amazing facility being built and you know all sorts of stuff. So that's Did you how. hear about Christy uh before you had moved down from there? Did you know about her in Kansas? Just only when you moved to A&M. Yeah. And actually it, it, up until this point I didn't even know who Christy was. I just knew who this trainer was offering me a job and Christy Schiller was the owner of the ranch. But. Oh, you're talking about the trainer. Uh, I'm sorry, I missed that for a second. So the the person who was the legend, you know, in barrel yes. racing. Uh-huh. So that's how I that's how I initially got hooked up with the job. So she was going to hire me to, you know, work with her on on the horse side of things, um, you know, doing the barrel racing, whatever she may needed kind of deal. So fast forward, you know, I'm working at the ranch. Christy meets me and I also meet her daughter, Sinclair. Well, 
not long after that, Christy basically steals me from the trainer, <laughs> moves me from one section of the ranch to go to another, and basically just just kidnaps me because she loved me so much and I was so good with her daughter. Um, and so, and so even at this time, I mean, canines for cops isn't even really a mention right now, you know, kind of deal. Um, you know, so at this point, basically I became like a, uh, they called me the super nanny, the ninja nanny, because I would travel with them, um, because Sinclair was little at the time. And so I, I was very fortunate. I went all over the world with them. Um, I went to Africa, I went to, uh, Europe, all, all sorts of things. Um, just traveling with them while they were going on business meetings and stuff. So that's how I got hooked up with Christy. Um, so anyways, they, they, they quickly moved me to the ranch. So now I was living at the ranch, um, brought my horses over there. And so wait a minute, I've seen this plot in a movie before. I mean, it's <laughs> like <laughs> pretty soon you disappear and nobody sees you for like three years, right? Basically. I mean, I, I was at the ranch 24 seven. I mean, my life revolved at the ranch. But you were still going to A&M, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Full time. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh-huh. So at this point, when I moved out there, I was a sophomore, um, at, at A&M and what were you studying? So funny story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Okay. <laughs> here's the, here's so the confession. How, how, do you, how do you go to A&M and get an ag degree and end up in law enforcement? So what had happened was because <laughs> you're used to dealing with bullshit. Huh? <laughs> right, right. So it's funny. Um, growing up, I would always watch criminal minds and I was like, Oh, I'm so fascinated with it. I want to work for the, you know, the FBI or whatever, you know, like one of those stupid things. And, um, so when I went to A&M, I actually went in cause you know, Google tells me, okay, if I want to like do criminal mind stuff, I need to do sociology and psychology, you know, like think, you know, why does a criminal do what they do? Why do they think like they do? So that's what I went in for sociology and psychology. Well, I come from a, when we moved to Texas, I come from a, a small town where you could sleep and make an A. Um, that philosophy did not work at A&M. So I quickly got on academic probation. <laughs> so, I've been there. I've been there. I, I think I was there twice. Um, it was a, it was a reality check because, so my, my entire school was paid for. Um, I was very fortunate that when my dad did pass away, he left, um, he took care of you guys, had you set care up, of us, had a set up, you know, so my, my college degree was completely paid for on the condition that I made good grades. So this first time around, you know, I, I made C's or D's or something on, on a semester. And so that was my warning. And, and now it, in my defense, it was math and science. So I, you know, I, I was horrible at those. Um, so my stepmom, Tamara said, okay, this is your, this is your one free pass. If it happens again, you have to pay for that semester. Well, sure enough, it happened again. And I think a D was my highest grade that semester. So I literally had to take out a student loan to pay for that semester, um, which I'm still now, paying. wait a minute. Which I'm still you, paying on uh, to this day. <laughs> <laughs> you had a free pass and you got a freebie. What led you to, what led you to the second time? Was it partying? Was it just not taking it seriously? Was it living the high life? What was it? So it wasn't partying. Um, I didn't drink. I never, I rarely, rarely went out. I was working all the time. Um, just working and, and I, I just, I didn't apply myself. I hated to study, absolutely hated it. So 
you know, oh, hey, there's a our final exams tomorrow. Okay, let me open the book, you know, for five minutes before. Okay, let, let me try to wing it. Well, winging it didn't work, clearly. So um, at that point, that was a, a reality check. I probably need to switch my major because I'm going to get kicked out of A&M. <laughs> so I switched to what they call ALED, which is Agriculture Leadership development and education or something, ag, ag leadership, education and development or something. Basically it's ag business. Um, you can do anything for it, but that's what all the football players major in. So it should tell you how easy it is. <laughs> so switched into that minored in, in ag business, um, got my grades back up. I mean, it was, you know, super easy. It's one of those like just universal degrees that you can kind of go anywhere with clearly since like I Like underwater up... basket weaving, you know? Yes. At this point, I just needed that expensive piece of paper that said I passed four years at A&M. I did it. You know? Even uh, if it said just barely, I passed. Hey, D for diploma. Okay. D, D for <laughs> diploma. <laughs> so I made it. <laughs> That's an optimistic point of view there. Oh my God. Now, did you do it in four years? I did. I did. Yes, sir. I sure did. I graduated in 2014, got my Aggie ring. Life was good. And then? So prior to that, um, Christy, you know, she had already started Canines for Cops. Um, and so I was kind of helping out with some of that. You know, a lot of it was Houston-based and the ranch was in College Station. So it was hard to kind of bounce back and forth. But I would help out uh, with as much as I could. Um well, Christy had actually got herself a personal protection dog named Daisy, who was a Belgian Malinois. And every time she would bring her to the ranch, I just, I, I fell in love with the dog and I would try to steal her away, you know, cause I mean the dog, I mean, it's, it's, you know, a bite dog. It does this, it, it does all these cool tricks and, and cool stuff. So it's like, okay, yeah, this is awesome. So, you know, I would take her and I would go play with her and, you know, just try to steal her as much as I can. And so Christy slowly started seeing this dog obsession develop. And so while this is happening, I became friends with Jazz Stanzi, who owns Houston Canine Academy, who is where Canines for Cops gets most of their dogs that they donate to law enforcement agencies. So at this point, now I am surrounding myself by nothing around nothing but dogs. And so it slowly got to the point where I was living and breathing and eating sleeping dogs and my horses were just like sitting in the pasture in the, in the paddock like hey remember us <laughs> yeah what happened what yeah happened? What, you know what, what we haven't heard for the last five minutes anything mentioned about the kid you were supposed to be watching oh yeah so i still did that <laughs> <laughs> what kid so, there's a kid here all i see is a dog put the kid on so, the back of the horse st still did that you know um traveled with them everywhere they went on the weekends you know i mean i i'm very fortunate i got to do some pretty amazing things um, because of that. Where's the, where's the, for you, the most memorable place you went to? Africa. And actually we went eight, eight years ago today. Uh, I saw, I saw it on my no Facebook. Kidding. Yeah. My Facebook memories, the, the timeline pulled up. Yeah. We were in Africa eight years ago today. Um, and so that is definitely the most memorable trip that I ever went on with them. I mean, it just, it was incredible still to this day. If, if somebody asked me, Hey, pack your bags, pick a place to go tomorrow. We're flying out. I would pick South Africa. Hands down. And I've, I've been some pretty cool places, but that place just, I mean, left. A, Where did you go in there? It was the eastern, the southeastern Cape. Um, it was a private safari. 
um, that actually some of her friends, uh, some of the Schiller's friends um, owned. And so it was a, a huge, like 70,000 acres. Um, and every day was a new adventure. I, it took us almost the entire two weeks just to see a giraffe. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I mean, we're in the middle of a pack of lions just driving by. I'm sitting there taking selfies with them. And, you know, it's just, it, it was absolutely incredible. I'm not an expert on lions, but taking a selfie with a lion when the lion is behind you seems to me to be an inherently dangerous thing. We did it. We did it. Um, you know, they say that the, the lions accept the, the shape of the of the trucks that are driving by with all the people in them. Now, when you start standing up and, and making movement and changing that shape that they are accustomed to, that's when you can run into problems. So clearly they're, they're used to people trying to take selfies. So I was okay. We didn't get eaten. So. <laughs> wow. Not, not counting the other two people who disappeared while they were on the safari. Where'd those guys go? I don't know. We, we don't know. They, they went for a long walk and never came back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so while all of this is happening, um, Christy sees my, my love for dogs developing and, you know, now all I'm around is canine officers. Cause I'm going to all of the events with Christy and, you know, helping out with the social media, doing as much as I can. Well, when I graduated from A&M in 2014, Christy bought me Quella, who, uh, is my little special canine who has opened so many doors for me. So her and her husband, John, bought Quella for me as a graduation gift from A&M. She came as a personal protection dog. She was a two-year-old wild, I mean, wild Belgian Malinois. Um, she, uh, it, it, it took like an hour for her to even come up from the back of the crate to, to meet me, you know, because Jazz had picked her out from Hungary, brought her over, you know, I mean, she picked her out specifically for me. And so it wasn't like a, you know, you go to the pound, you, you, you know, you let each of these dogs sniff you. Okay. Which one's going to accept me? Okay. Which one do I want? No, this was like a match that had to happen. Yeah. Well, it was a, I, I mean, it was a match made from heaven. Um, so she got me Quella and that's when my life completely changed from, from what I, from what I knew and the endless possibilities that arose. Oh, look, there's a cat. <laughs> the endless... I, I, well, no, this is the, this is the lighter one of the two. This is Rosebud. Fanny, um, when she's hungry, you'll hear it. You'll see it. Cats are, cats are like dogs. When they want something, they want something, right? Yes. Yeah. As, as Quella just came up trying to play, I don't know, she went off. I'm, I'm not giving her a treat right now. So she's like, whatever. Oh, same thing with Murph. You don't give him a treat. He goes away. He just stomps and goes in the corner and just tap his head. Good boy. Yeah, I missed my nap today anyway. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, after Christy got me Quella, that's when I started. So, so College Station was about an hour and a half from Houston. And Quella was already trained personal protection. But what I would do is when I would get off work at the ranch, you know, four or five o'clock at night, I would drive an hour and a half down to Houston and go meet up with Jazz, um, you know, Houston Canine, some of the officers that I knew who were training. And I would start training with Quella um, because I just, I, I couldn't get enough of it. You know, Quella was just this bad, bad little dog. I mean, like bad in the good, in the good sense. Like she is just a rock star. Um, and so here I am trying to figure out, you know, okay, what am I doing? <laughs> the dog is clearly smarter than me. So let, let, you know, let me, let me figure this I out. I bet the dog got at least bees in doggy school. 
And she, uh, no, she was an A plus student for sure. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I I got bit literally figuratively by by the canine bug, and I just slowly started falling in love with it. And at this time, this was. Th- so I graduated in 2014 and 2015 is when I decided to go to the academy. And when I decided to do that, it was, and don't get me wrong. I had an amazing life at the ranch. I mean, John and Christy took amazing care of me. Clearly. I mean, I got to travel the world, but it was one of those, I felt like I had more to offer. I felt like my wings needed to, to expand and fly. Um, and so that was actually one of the hardest conversations I've ever had. And as they say in Texas, right, it went over like a turd in a punch bowl. Yeah. So, you know, like like I said, I had made friends with a lot of the canine officers um, and, and the deputies that, you know, I had met through Canines for Cops. And so I started talking to them like, hey, if I want to become a, a police officer, like, what do I have to do, you know, kind of deal. And so, you know, I was very fortunate. There, there was... Two in particular that really took me under their wings and and guided me through all of this. And so I finally built up the courage one day to tell Christy <laughs> that I was leaving her. <laughs> um, After that, how many years? Ser- uh, gosh, um, six or six or seven live six or seven living there. Wow, or six 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 years living, I believe. So you're a part of the family. So, something like that. Oh yeah, I mean they, I can. I, yeah, I mean, they were, they were my second set of parents. I mean, I, you know, they, I, I did, I considered them, you know, another set of parents of mine. And so you did time on the inside, you did six, seven years at the Schiller ranch, you know, uh, is that about how long you were there? Yes. Wow. And then you decided it was time for the little butterfly to go free. And you yeah. said that was a tough, <laughs> what was the toughest part about that conversation? Was it that you felt like you were letting her down because of all the stuff she had done for you? I mean, sometimes people feel obligated because they do these great things for you, but it was her fault. If she hadn't given you a dog, you never would have felt this way. If she just kept you on horses, I mean, who knows? Exactly. Um, yeah. So I just, I, I did, I felt like, um, that maybe that they would be disappointed. Um, you know, because I mean, who, who in their right mind would want to leave a position like that? I mean, I, I, I had such an amazing life, you know, I mean, I lived on a, on a luxury horse ranch. I had anything and everything I could possibly imagine. Um, and they were so good to me. And then here I am wanting to leave that and go become a police officer and work midnights <laughs> and, and work midnights. Well, I, now I do that by choice. But, um, so I remember going into the living room, um, in their, in their house. And she was sitting on the couch and I sat next to her and I was like, I need to tell you something. And you know, like when you, when you tell like your parents that, cause like I said, I mean, I consider her, you know, like one of my parents, it's like one of those, you feel like you're about to tell them you're pregnant or something. Like I need, I need to talk to, I need to tell you something. I never had and that so- <laughs> discussion with my parents. I'm sorry. Mom, I'm pregnant. <laughs> so she stops what she was doing and she looks over at me like, this serious face and she's like, I already know. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I want to go, I, I want to become a, a police officer and I want to do canine. And she just, you know, she smiled and she said, I kind of figured, you know, that was happening. She was, I mean, she was really sad. Um, 
you know, and she's like, she, she tried to talk me into staying. She's like, I'll get you another dog. You can train dogs here. You can have as many dogs as you want here. Just don't leave. You know, I mean, she, she was trying to do anything and everything to keep me at the ranch. And I just, you know, I just, I, like I said, I felt like, um, my wings needed to, to expand. Um, I just felt like it was time. Why law enforcement? Why not go be a dog trainer? So was it something specifically about the, the interactions you'd had with law enforcement, the canines that says, I want to do a, be a canine handler in law enforcement? Oh yeah. I, I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, Chris Moore, who I know who We've had has on. been on. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. He's a very, very dear friend of mine. I've known him over 10 years. Um, he's one of the ones who really took me under his wing. Um, I, he is very near and dear to my heart and, you know, just people like him, you know, what they do, um, on a daily basis, you know, the law enforcement side of the job, uh, and then adding the dog into it. I just like, you know, I, I really want to do this. Um, and so you off did. I went, uh, off, yeah, off, off I went. So I was very fortunate. Um, Christy, <laughs> she still kept me. <laughs> she let me, uh, I stayed at their house in Houston while I was going to the Academy. So it was like, she let me go, but she didn't let me go. <laughs> Um, so, She's you know, like, I still, I'll I, get my hooks into you, my dear, you're not going to get that far away, but uh, yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. So literally I, I lived at their, at their house in Houston and still, you know, um, got to do things with their daughter and stuff. And, uh, you know, luckily their house was only like two miles away from, uh, downtown Houston where my academy was. So, you know, I brought Quella down, uh, Quella actually lived in their, in their chicken coop. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> While while I was gone during the day, um, you know, <laughs> so Quella, we modified their chicken coop so Quella could have, um, you know, like a, a nice little outdoor area to to stay in while I was in the academy eight hours a day. And um, you didn't have to so stay yeah. there. That was just a Monday through Friday, eight to five kind of thing. Correct. Uh huh. Yeah. Correct. Well, that's cush. Yeah. So, so that's nice. Um, so I would go there, come back, study, you know, take Quell out for, for a, a training session, you know, you whatever. for these classes, did you? Well, so I was at the top of my class. Yes. I, 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 right. I studied for this. All right. <laughs> but, um, was it something yeah. to do with agriculture? Like, you know, how, you know, what, what do dogs no. eat? I know, I know. No, you know? <laughs> it was the penal code. It was the, the traffic laws, all of this. I, I, uh, maintain academic, uh, Oh gosh, what is excellence. it? I don't know. Yeah, academic excellence. Um, you know, I got awards for you know being at the top of my class, making I, y'all. There was some tests I made hundred percent on. Um, I was like, where where was this at A and M? Well, it goes back to that old saying: you find a job you like, you'll never work a day in your life, and you're right. doing that right now. Right. Yeah. So. Um, now, like I said, did you did you get those grades because it came easy to you, or did you get those grades because you said? look, um, I'm moving out, you know, I've obviously Christy and John been very kind to me, but I have to do this on my own. What was the incentive for you to get the good grades this time? What changed between this and A&M? I just, I, I was passionate about it. Um, and it was something that I wanted to do for myself. Um, you know, because you, you hear people talking, oh, you know, they made this on the test or they made this. And I'm like, okay, well, I want to make, you know, the highest score possible kind of deal. Um, and I just, I was very, I was very passionate about it. Um, you know, because it's like, it's one of those, okay, I'm not just waking up each day. Okay. What does ranch, you know, what, what are we going to do today? Oh, a pig got out or a horse got out. Okay. You know, whatever. 
<laughs> or, well, I, we didn't really have pigs. We didn't have pigs. We had goats and stuff. The goats would always get out. Sounds, Sounds like some like small that, town yeah. police blotter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, y'all, it was, it was always something, something going on at the ranch. Well, it sounds um, like that competitive edge you had from uh, working with the lady that did the barrel racing is carrying over. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So I, yeah. So I am a naturally very competitive person. Um, Except your first three years of A&M. Yeah. Cause I just, you know, it was one of those, like I said, D for diploma, as long as I get this piece of paper, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's just one of those. I, I, I never enjoyed school. I mean, I went to school, but I was never like, you know, and I only went to sports games because Christy made me. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I didn't even want to go to that stuff. Well, let's hold on a second. <laughs> if you didn't really enjoy school, a lot of people say, like even Chris said it. He said it wasn't for me. I think he was military. You know, so some people say, nope, that's not for me. And they go on. Why did you persist for four years if it wasn't fun? Well, because I'm still going to do it. I mean, it. you know, A, I'm not going to let my parents down, especially my dad. You know, um, it was one of those I may not enjoy it, but I'm not the type to quit or give up. So Good. I'm, I'm Good. still going to do it. Um, okay. and you know, I'm, I mean, that was back in 2014 when I graduated. Um, and even then it was so competitive, like you have to have a degree to even get a, a you know, decent paying job, whatever. Like, I mean, a degree is what sets you apart from, from so many people. Um, and so even back then, you know, I say back then eight years ago, you know, it was like, I have to have this degree regardless, um, whether I enjoy it or not. So yeah, I pushed through and just did it and, you know. Hey, before we go too much farther, talk real quick, though, about uh, applying. Why did you pick where you're at? Did you apply other places or did you apply with Harris County because that's where you're at and that's who you knew? Uh, yes, um, that's where I was at and that's who I knew. Um, so I I was very fortunate, um, more fortunate than most who are trying to get into this profession um, and especially into canine, which we, we can get into that here here in a second. Um because of Christy and because of my position with Canines for Cops, um, I was going to all of their events. I knew everybody. Everybody knew me um, as a civilian, as the, you know, um, you know, I knew the sheriff. I knew all of the constables. I knew I knew a lot of people just because I was a very um, friendly, social um, person at all of these events. You know, hey, you know, I'm how's it going? You know, kind of deal. Um and, you know, I, I never knew at the time leading up to it, you know, that these relationships were forming and building and that they would help me later on down the road. Um, I just, you know, was being myself and, you know, trying to, you know, make it easier for, you know, especially like when I'm doing the social media for Canines for Cops or going to all these events, you know, I know who everybody is, um, you know, and it just it just helps out with with all of that. But little did I know that it was actually paving the way for the future when I did get into law enforcement because I I was fortunate at the time I could have gone anywhere I wanted. Um, if I wanted to go to the sheriff's office, um, you know, he, he offered a, a spot for me there. Um, you know, hey, apply, you know, apply to here, apply here. Um, I ultimately ended up with Precinct 1 uh, because my, my boss, Constable Alan Rosen, um, is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, where Christy lives in Houston, uh, is, is inside precinct one. Um, 
And I was also uh, very good friends with Lori Crone, who also sits on the Canines for Cops board. Um, and she is very good friends with um, Constable Rosen. Fast forward, Lori is actually the one who purchased my police canine, but we'll we'll get into that later on. Um, so it was one of those, uh, you know, I had a lot of options to choose from in I just felt not only me, but Christy, Lori, um, you know, as we're all talking about, hey, where where should I go? Um, we all just kind of felt like Precinct 1 was the best fit. Um, and I am so thankful that I went that that route. At, at any point in your life, up to where you're starting to look at law enforcement, did you ever think you'd become a police officer? Police officer? Never. I, I mean, no, no, nobody in my family is law enforcement. I mean, my dad was a truck driver, um, you know, passed away from cancer. But I mean, that, that's what he did. He was a truck driver. Um, you know, my stepmom, she's in the, the medical billing field. Um, my sisters, they all do, a you know, an assortment of things. Um, but no, I, I, I don't even have a cousin, an uncle, nothing, nothing in law enforcement. Um, and, you know, some people... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the first and and everything that has happened has been because of Wella. Um, I just I fell in love with that and decided that you know watching what Chris Chris does and and you know a lot of these other guys. Um, and, and at the time there was very few females. Um, actually, I didn't even know a single female handler at the time other than Jazz, but she was just the you know she's a civilian. She's the one who trains all of these dogs. But I didn't even know a female canine officer. There wasn't any, which we'll get to that here in a couple minutes too. Um, so you're so, just breaking all, you're breaking all sorts of ground. Yes. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I was very, very fortunate. Um, I, I still count my, my lucky stars, how it happened, why it happened. Um, so I, I got hired on with, uh, with Constable Rosen's office in Precinct 1 and I got sworn in in May. It's a brand new officer off this, you know, out, straight out of the academy. I got my dog in December. I got Canine Le Mans in December. Hit this, you know, went to training, hit the streets with him in, in March of 2017. So you have less than a year on. You've already gone through, you got hired, you went Six through the months. academy, and you've got a dog. Six months. Yeah. Six months. Six months. It was, it was one of those, you know, um, like I said, I'm fortunate. I had, I had some experience, well, I say experience, very, very light experience coming in, you know, just handling the personal protection dogs, you know, jazz would always let me put my hands on dogs at the, at the kennel. And, you know, I'm, I'm around all of this training and stuff. Um, and so it just so happened that they had a canine spot open up and it was one of those, take it now and, and figure it out as you go. Figure it out deal. Hey, before we go any farther, you've mentioned this a few times and I, I should have asked you earlier, but I want to make a distinction between canines that are for law enforcement. And you said personal protection dog. So what, what are the, what are the main differences between a dog that is personal protection and a dog that's trained for law enforcement? So the dogs that are trained for law enforcement generally um, are going to be trained for suspect apprehension, which is similar to similar to personal protection. So so let me let me back up just one step. So when these dogs come over from Europe, when when people like Jazz who are going over to select these dogs for law enforcement purposes, most of these dogs have already been started in personal protection, which is bite work, um, you know, just ha handler protection, that kind of stuff, because they do a lot of the sporting events in Europe. And so these dogs are already geared towards that. 
And then when people like Jazz go over, they see what these dogs can do. Okay, this dog will make a phenomenal police dog. So the main difference from the personal protection dogs to the police dogs is just taking that personal protection and kind of upping it a level. Um, because these dogs are very naturally protective. So like Bella, Bella was a personal protection dog trained specifically for me. So um, she can assess threats. Um, you know, we would do scenarios and in training where, you know, I could have her in my vehicle. I could get out. I, I, I distinctly, distinctively remember one. Um, it was a training scenario. I got out. I left the door open. Bella's sitting in the car. Um, I get out to go to a trash can at a baseball field and just dump something in the trash. And uh, my back is turned to the vehicle and my back is turned to where the quote unquote, bad guy is coming out from under the bleachers. Bella sees that, assesses that before I even know that he is coming up behind me. She takes action, leaves the vehicle and goes and, and, uh, makes contact on, on, on the bad guy. Um, you know, it was a training no, no, scenario. No, 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 no. That's a euphemism. Make contact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. be very clear. Quella <laughs> put the habeas gravis. Yeah. <laughs> she bit him. <laughs> Where uh, so that that's the biggest thing is that these dogs can assess these threats. And so Quella, that that's all she that's at, at the time, that's all she knew um, was just personal protection. So she didn't know how to um, track a bad guy. So like if we have a bad guy run through the woods or a building or something, you know, something like that, she didn't know how to do any of that. So that's that's kind of the main distinction between a personal protection and a law enforcement canine is that the law enforcement canines can do that. They can track through the woods, building searches. They can extract a, a human from a vehicle, um, search for narcotics, search for explosives, search for guns, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so you're at a, you're at a ballpark and there's other people there and this guy's going to is he going to mug you what was his intent or do you know Well so so it was a training scenario so training. it was it, yeah oh, so uh-huh okay. yeah no it's okay yeah so it was just it's a It's late it was, in the afternoon for Murph. his pain medication's <laughs> kicking I told in you, I missed my nap today Well it, you know they just you try to recreate some real world scenarios and you know right. hey I'm going to get out of my car I'm going to go you know throw my my Chick-fil-A trash or whatever it is away and you know mm -hmm. oh hey well, it's Houston yeah, anything could happen. But let me ask you a question because um, when you do that stuff, in, in order to enable the personal protection capability of the dog, uh, you know, to be available to you, like if you're getting out or if you're doing something, you don't have a release on your car. So either if the windows aren't down, your dog's inside the car, right? Can't get out if you need them. So do they go through and train you like, hey, if you're getting out, leave the door open. Or if you're going to be here for a little time, roll the window down so your dog can get out to protect you? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So leave, leave the window down, um, you know, because the dogs will. Like we, we've done scenarios where, where she came out of my sunroof. Um, you know, because she's, always, so the personal protection, I mean, it, well, and, and similar to the canines too, they're always watching their handler, regardless of what they're trained for. I mean, the second you get out of your car, I mean, they are just, they are up, ears are alert and they are watching, okay, what is my mom? What is my dad doing? You know? Um, so it's just, it, it's phenomenal what the, what these dogs can, can do the and, reason and, I how, and how that. loyal they are. Uh, the reason I asked that is Chris Moore told us a story about how he had to write a, a memo about his dog. He needed his help and it was in the back and he didn't have, he wasn't able to open the door. The dog came through the center console, tore the console out, was to, you know, to get out, I think to go help him. I can't remember, but it's like he had to write a memo about his torn up console in the car because that dog was just one. <laughs> damage to, to damage to county property. Yes. Uh, oh, Chris like is. Yeah. So I've known, um, the last two of Chris's dogs and they, they are a little, uh, nuts. 
Uh, uh, yeah, to put <laughs> to put it nicely, yeah. Are they yeah. nuts because they're nuts, or are they nuts because Chris is nuts? I, you know, they do say dogs take after their handlers, so. <laughs> uh, we're not saying anything, so. I, I don't. I, I don't foresee Chris watching this, and if he does, I mean, maybe he'll fast forward through that part and he won't hear that. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they both have as much gray hair too, so. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those, yes. hmm. <laughs> hmm. wonder where it goes. So, right? <laughs> but you get out. Um, and now, now the other thing too, let me make a point. Some folks will say, well, that's not fair. She knew these people and stuff. Let me tell you something else though, too. Oh, there it is. I see, uh, Personal protection zone activated. Yeah. Yeah. They, they hear somebody at the door. And so it's, you know, protection. We're just going to leave that in. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, you get to a certain point and you think, oh, they know somebody, they'll get me an in. You know, you get to a certain level too, to where it's about your credibility. Uh, you know, Steve and I do the same thing. There are certain people we will introduce to other people and there are certain people we won't because mm -hmm. your credibility, your reputation goes with it. So you might think that you got a, you know, it was great because they all knew you. No, you got where you were because the people put their reputation on the line. And if they didn't trust you implicitly that you could deliver and be the person that they thought you would be, you never would have got a recommendation from them because you know, their, their word is gold. And if they start tarnishing it by recommending people who are, you know, failures or losers or bad apples, uh, nobody wants to hear from them again. So I didn't want you to short sell that a little bit too much. Yeah. And I, and I want to ask you too, when you uh, were selected for K-9, they're being brand new on the job. I was a cop for 38 years and I know there's a lot of jealousy with all the type of yes. kick back on that all the time. Um, you know, and I, and I actually got it when I was first hired on too. um, you know, like, like you said, pe people talk, um, people get jealous. Um, you know, I, I was told countless times, you know, um, you're just here because you're a pretty face or you're just here because you know, people, and this is even before getting in the dog. Um, you know, like, like I said, I, I was so fortunate and I just, I'm so blessed that, uh, you know, I did get hired on as, as quickly and as, as easily as I did. Um, I'm forever grateful to Constable Rosen for that. Yeah. Let me call it bullshit for a second. You said as quickly yeah. as and easily as I did. You put in how many years though, with Christy, with working with dogs, with going to these events, with being there, you, you did at least five or six years before you got ever into that position, didn't you? Correct. But I mean, just, just into the, the department itself before uh, canine yeah. was even a, a, I know we're, we're, we're giving you props here, but it's like, <laughs> it's one thing to walk in and go, hi, I'm Madison Sperry. Hire me. And everybody goes, Oh, it's Madison. Let's hire her. No, you built a reputation for showing up, for being there, for doing the work, for being dependable, for, they saw how you treated people. They saw how you treated dogs. I mean, you, let me put it this way. You might've thought it took you six months. It took you five years before that. To get yeah. to that point where you were, and, 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 and I worked my ass off. I did, right. uh, and and I and maybe that's part of it too. Why I strove, uh, strived to be at the top of the class? Um, you know, I did. I had um, physical accommodations, uh, you know, the physical fitness, and then um, academic um, uh, accolades. You know, every 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 chance, every award that could be received or, or like accolade, you know, whatever, all, all of the little plaques and, uh, you know, certificates or whatever that they print out. I, I, I got, um, wow. Wow. And so Damn overachiever. <laughs> I wanted it to be on my own merit. I mean, yes. Um, I'm so thankful that, you know, I did have Christy and, and I had that background, but I always wanted it to also be on my own merit. I'm not here because I know people. I'm here because I deserve to be here. And so. Well, and that didn't count for squad in the academy. Nobody cares in the academy. You either no, pass the test the or you don't. Yeah. 
Yeah. No. Yeah. They didn't care. The Academy. It's. I mean, it's a bunch of. You know. Whatever. Um. That's drama in itself. <laughs> that's a bunch know? of what? It's like a, it's like a high school clique all over again. Oh yeah. Well, you said it's a bunch of. Let's finish out that thought. A bunch of not whatever, but a bunch of what? A, bu- <laughs> a bunch of assholes, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, but hey. Let's take a let's just take a slight detour here because uh, on the episode we had with Mark Comboy, him and I were talking when I when I went through I went through my first academy in eighty two and there were a few females in our class but when I went through the state academy in eighty four, it was only the third time in the nearly fifty his, fifty year history of the Highway Patrol that they had ever hired a woman. Oh wow! So it was only the third woman, and so a, a lot of people, you know, you look at it and you go, there was some pushback. I mean, not for me. My dad was military. We lived around the world too, been all these places. So having a female and there a woman. I just, that's all I grew up with, by the way, too, you know, with my mom and two sisters. So it's, it didn't bother me that much. But were you getting pushback more because uh, of what they perceived your relationship to be in the academy there? Was it more because you were a female or a combination of both? Because look, every asshole or every academy has their assholes, but um, it, it's, it's unfortunate sometimes that they let folks like that taint, you know, somebody or try, try to impact somebody's career before it even gets started because of petty jealousy. So the academy that I went to um, actually was not affiliated with uh, Precinct 1. So it's kind of so here in Texas, um, like if you go to the sheriff's office or if you go to Houston Police, uh, Houston Police Department, they have their own academies that you have to go to. Um, But if you go anywhere else, like the constable's offices or some of these, um, you know, other other city municipalities, you just have to go to a basic police academy and get your basic peace officer's license, which is what I did. So I actually went through the University of Houston basic peace officer academy. So you, you go there, you get your, your license, your TCO license, you know, you're, Hey, you're, you graduated, you're a basic peace officer now, and then you can go to whatever department that you want. So in the academy, no, I didn't necessarily receive a whole lot of, um, backlash or, or, you know, jealousy, whatever, anything like that. Um, because none of them, I, I was the only one who was even going to precinct one. Um, you know, every, it's just kind of one of those, um, you know, you go here and then, and then everybody just kind of finds their own paths and, and departments. Um, now when I got to precinct one, yes, I did receive, I, I joked, I was like, man, I should have, I should have become a fire, fire, uh, everybody fighter. loves firefighters, a yeah. firefighter because of no. all this heat I'm taking. No, I mean, I was, I was fading. I was fading so <laughs> much heat. Um, you know, people, people just saying, you know, I'm, I'm only here because I know people. So again, I'm very competitive. And prior to getting the dog, you know, I was just a, I was just a basic patrol deputy and I, I, set out, you know, I'm not here because I know people I'm here because I deserve to be here. Um, I'm not just going to wear this uniform. I'm going to put it to work. So actually if memory serves me correct, my first two months on the street, um, after I'd already went through the, the field training program, you know, I'm, I'm a solo officer on the street. Uh, I led our patrol division in stats for the first two months and I showed everybody I deserve to be here. Um, I'm not here because I know people. Well, I am. That helped, yes. But I'm here because my own merit will carry carry my weight. And so mm-hmm. um went out there. It shut a lot of people up for for the time being. But then fast forward 6 months, it's December, I'm now getting a dog. <laughs> we have people who, you know, it's just it, it was one of those things. It it, it was it was going to happen. Everybody knew it was going to happen. Um, did we know it was going to happen that fast? No, 
um, but it did. And who's anybody in my position would have been crazy to say, no, I'm not ready for a dog yet. So I'm going to pass. No, everybody's going to take that. And then you're just going to learn as you go, because I'm literally, I'm a six month patrol deputy who's about to now get a dual purpose dog. So speaking of the females. So at this time, there was not a single female canine officer or deputy employed by a Harris County agency. I was the first one in over 15 years. The sheriff's wow. office, yeah. So who Chris worked for, the sheriff or works for the sheriff's office, they had one, but it had been about 15 years since she had been in canine. So uh does that include Houston PD? No. Mm-mm. No. Okay. Houston I, I believe they had one, one or two, but a Harris County agency, um, sheriff's office constable, you know, any of that. I was the first one in over 15 years. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, hey, before, know, before you sure. go too far down, let's talk about the process of getting there. So when you said everybody knew it was going to happen because of your work with the dogs, it was like you were going to be the next one in line, or did you also have to compete for the position too? Um, no, I, I would say I did not have to c- compete for the position. Um, like I said, I was very fortunate and it just kind of happened because of, um, you know, my prior experience coming into it with canines for cops, with, with the dogs kind of deal. Um, and so right, cause it, you'd already it, done a lot of work with canines and with dogs and had been there for the, from the training and the deployment, you know, and working with the law enforcement agency. So you were already not only very familiar with law enforcement, you were very familiar with the process and the dogs and what they had to go through. Right. Correct. And, and I say that, but you know, in, and yes, I did have, you know, I was fortunate because like I said, Jazz is one of my best friends and she really just, again, took me under her wing. And I mean, I, I did so much training with them, so much training with Chris, you know, I, I would take Quella to, to everything. I mean, I'm, I'm the only civilian in the middle of all these cops running these scenarios. I, I, actually, I actually just watched a video of Quella the other day. We were doing felony stops with gunfire. Here I am in my little, you know, like pink tank top or whatever, surrounded by all these cops. And I'm sending Quella after a, <laughs> you know, a bad guy with a gun shooting at her. And it's just, you know, it's just, it's just awesome. I, I was just smitten by it. And, um, you know, so a lot of that experience helped coming into this, but, uh, you know, going from a, a personal protection dog like Quella to a street, patrol dog. I mean, I had so much to learn still, you know, yes, I was familiar with the dogs and the basic, um, you know, functions, but learning a patrol dog, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely had my work cut out for me and you got to remember at the same time, I'm still learning my, my regular job too. I'm only, I've only been on patrol for six months. <laughs> so it was, it was the one dogs, of those. I, the I dog's got as, more street experience than you do at this point. Yeah. yeah yes. <laughs> hey, so, so talk about that. So you, you go to the process of getting the dog, like you say, you get the dog and then it's another, what, two months or three months for training? Yeah. So it was, um, I believe nine weeks, 12 weeks, something like that. Um, so went through, you know, uh, a training course with Houston Canine Academy, um, you know, eight, nine, 10 hour days. Um, grad, I believe we started, I got, I know I got canine Le Mans in December, picked them out. Um, and then class now, wait a started. Minute. Do you pick them out or do the, there's always a discussion. Do you pick them out or do the dogs pick you? Uh, it, it's a little bit of both. Um, definitely. Um, you know, I, I remember jazz had showed me, you know, five or six dogs. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. A couple of them I didn't like because they weren't very pretty, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, if we're being honest, um, 
Well, it's not the dog's fault. It, no, it's it's not the dog's fault, but it's like, you know, okay, I want I want one that like looks badass, is badass. And uh so ended up with Lamont's and he was probably a little he he's actually so funny story. He's actually not the dog that Jazz wanted me to have. Um so I have another Mal. So I have three Mal's total, Belgian Malinois. And my other one. All it, at the same time? Yes. So I have two at the time I'm picking out canine Le Mans. Yes. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm that crazy dog person, ta- dog lady. Oh, my God. And Mal, Mal's are high tempo. They're crazy. High, you know. Yes, yeah. they're, they're crazy. And so I'm, clearly my head is not screwed on, on straight. So Jazz had actually brought over a female Malinois that was the full sister, same litter, to the other Malinois that I had at home. Um, she had wanted me to have her as my patrol canine. Um, but my sergeant at the time felt that she was not big enough, um, you know, because I am a female. So obviously I've got some disadvantages, you know, somebody sees somebody like Chris Moore, who's all beefed up SWAT, you know, okay. Yeah. They're not gonna, (laughs) they're not gonna give him a whole lot of trouble, but then they see me get out and then, oh, I bring out this little tiny dog. They, They will probably just laugh. Um, so my sergeant well, at the like time, a French poodle or a chihuahua, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my sergeant at the time wanted me to get a little bigger dog. And so that's how that's, that's partly how we ended up with canine Lamonts. Um, was he probably a little too much dog for me initially at the time? Yes. Um, but we made it work. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he's been a phenomenal partner. Um, we're going on, uh, I mean, six years in December together. Has he ever quote air quote contacted you? Yes, I have a couple scars. <laughs> yes, okay. I I have a uh, yes, he has contacted me. Yeah, he's uh he's bit me a couple times during training and you know uh, learning as we go. Um, they say it's not a matter of uh if you get bit, it's a matter of when you get bit and how many times and yeah. how many times. Yeah, so yes, I have been to the emergency room a few times, getting some stitches, you know that kind of thing. Um, how does you know, the dog react to it when they bite their handler? Do, do, are you just another piece of chicken to them? It's like, huh, you know, I see something that's a target <laughs> or do they, do they actually have some kind of a reaction to it after they realize they bit their handler? Yeah, I think sometimes they do have a little bit of a reaction to it. Um, mine were unfortunately during, um, some training exercises, so it wasn't necessarily the dog's fault. Um, you know, a got, got my hand in, in front of his mouth when it shouldn't have been and, you know, got a hold of it kind of deal. So it, it's not necessarily the dog's fault by any means. Um, but it, it, you know, it does happen. You know, these dogs are, are super, super hyper and, and strong. And, you know, when they get into these, these drive modes of, um, you know, sometimes it, yeah, I mean, they, they don't necessarily know who they just bit, but then it's like a reality. Ooh, I should, maybe should not have bit them. Um, kind of deal. Sorry, Mom. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like, hey, you have these this monster with teeth chomping. Don't put your hand in front of it. <laughs> you know. Now, do you do you get the ears back? Look like we see on all these funny dog videos where they go like, "Who did it?" And they go, oh, you know, you see that look is like, oh, oh no. it was me. Mm-mm. No, no, you don't. No, no. Oh. they're just. just like- it's like, they're just hey, drive forward. It's like, hey, yeah. your problem, not mine. Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. Stupid. Am I getting fed again tonight, though? That's all they hear about. Right. <laughs> right. So that so so how long did it take you before you were in a comfortable rhythm? Um, with a dog, 
you know, it, it was a learning process because he was he was so much stronger than Quella. Quella, Quella was so easy. Um, you know, even learning as I went with her, she was just so easy. Um, whereas Le Mans, it, it was definitely a, a. Sometimes we did struggle. Yes, um, you know, we might butt heads. Um, and it was a. Uh, it was definitely a, a learning process. Um, I would say. You know, once we got out of training and then started getting feeling our groove on the street, I mean, definitely a couple months, you know, because you got to remember, I'm still trying to kind of find my groove a little bit just as a police officer without a dog. And then now add in this dual purpose narcotic and suspect apprehension dog. So it was one of those um, every every day was a learning experience. Um, you know, I, I, I did the best that I could um, or that I thought I was doing. Um, might've, might've pissed a few people off in, in the process, which, you know, I've, I've been told, um, you know, uh, I can sometimes come off as very, mean? uh, Go so I, yeah. I, I've been told that I can come off as very abrasive and, uh, they like to use cocky, but I don't think I'm cocky. I'm just very confident. And, you know, you almost have to be in, in this, um, line of work because you're around a bunch of guys and, and, you know, so y'all aren't really familiar with Houston, but I work the straight up hood. Um, you know, so I, I, I don't take shit from anybody. Um, and so, I mean, you know, of all the cops I've met, I've never met a cocky one yet. Right. Right. They're all humble. They're all humble and, you know, self deprecating like us, you know, so, oh, yeah. so when I, when I first got into patrol, there was only one other, one other female patrol deputy in, in our, in our patrol division, um, that was on the street, not including, um, two, uh, uh, command positions, um, command staff positions. So there was only one other female on the street. And so, you know, it's just, there, there wasn't a whole lot of females. And so I had to walk around, like my pair was this, you know, bigger than some of these guys. Um, because mm -hmm. if not, they would, they would walk all over me. That's the only way alpha males get the message sometimes is you can't. Right. Right. So. Well, and, and you know what, if you were a pushover, nobody would want to work with you on the street. Right. And, and it, it's, it's, it, it, you know, it's kind of one of those double, double edged swords too, because yeah, if you're a pushover, nobody wants to work with you, but you, if you're an asshole, nobody wants to work with you either. So it's mm -hmm. like trying to find this happy medium because I did, I mean, I had a lot of people try to walk all over me and I'm, I'm not going to have that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was kind of just trying to find, and, you know, still, still struggling with having to deal with, you know, people's jealousies and, you know, some of the, the negative things that they would say, um, about me, especially getting the dog so quick and, you know, stuff like mm -hmm. that. So it was definitely, um, a little bit of a bumpy road for, for a little bit. Um, but, you know, we came out and, started putting, you know, bad guys in jail, taking guns and money and, and drugs off the streets. And, you know, it kind of started to subside from there. Well, when you got the results, um, and you know, the other thing too, I was going to say too, Steve, when I'm sitting here listening to her talk, she goes, no, I just wouldn't take their shit. That reminded me so much of Christy when she decided, I'm just going to do this. I don't <laughs> yeah. need your permission. <laughs> just, you know. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, yeah. It does sound yeah, like her. Yeah, you it know, does. I, I can see. Wash, we're. I, I, learned, off on you. I learned from the best. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I was a cop back in the seven, uniform cop back in the seven, long time ago, the first female officers came out. What I wanted to know is, are you going to stand there with me and fight when we have to fight? And as long as you do, that's fine. You yeah. know, I mean, it's, but that's not just females. I got in a bar fight one night and it's, 
you know, my backup, as I've got about five guys on my back, I see him driving, leaving me there by myself. Oh, so we've all got those two, man. No no respect for him anymore. My shift partner, my partner, when I was a detective, we're up, we're up doing some helping the gang unit stuff, but we're out at a park and a guy's got a gun. I say, gun, gun, gun. And we're starting to fight this guy. What does he do? He stands back and like, oh, I'll just watch this shit go on. It's like, get your ass in here. Get your ass. There's a gun. You know, and it's like, but I'll tell you what, you know, but it takes an incident like that. After that, it changes the whole working relationship, you know, because it's like, absolutely. WTF over there, Homer. What, what are you doing sitting up there when we're all trying to fight this guy with a gun, a felon in possession of a gun, a banger, and you're standing back. What are you, you in command now? You're going to just write the narrative when we're all get our asses shot. I mean, what's the deal here? Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, I'll, I'll be one of the first one throwing hands, throwing punches, whatever. Like I'm, I'm, I'm right up in there. And, uh, you know, I, I, people, people love to judge off, off, you know, first, Mm -hmm. first impressions, appearances, Mm -hmm. whatever. And, um, so I, I get it a lot, you know, Hey, she's just a pretty face, you know, she's the department, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm posted a lot on their Facebooks, you know, for stuff that I do, you know, they, they call me the poster child for, you know, canines for cops and sometimes the department and stuff, because, you know, I'm, I'm utilized for a lot of things because of my dog, Quella. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, y'all, I'll be honest. I don't go to stuff if I don't get to take a dog. So, <laughs> um, Gee, so, can you imagine being out on a date? Hi, um, this is my dog. Yeah, Room, I'm like, hey, table, you had a you had a dog in your profile picture. Where's where's the dog? <laughs> table for three. That's right. Well, you know, and uh, I, I pulled up the email where Christy introduced us to you, and the title on it is Superstar. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's nothing less than that what she put in those words right there that we're talking to right now. Well, she's she's pretty incredible, um, and she she created this monster, you know. So it's your so problem. It's your fault, she, Christy. She she's in Harris reason. County. Yeah, she is the reason I am I am who I am today, and because she bought me this dog Quella, who's who literally just came up and is like, "Hi, mom. Um, what what are we talking about? I keep hearing my name." <laughs> so so yeah, she is the reason I'm like this. <laughs> Well, so you get through this and like you say, it takes you a couple months to get a comfortable rhythm. So you start, you start making, uh, I mean, you start making the arrests and stuff. What seemed to be the area you gravitated most towards? I mean, was it just straight patrol and you just handle whatever came along or did you start developing kind of like when we talk with Randy Tooman, he got to the point where this guy was good at interdiction. I mean, he does that. He's, he knows he's a it legend. Well. He's a legend. Yeah. Randy is a, is an absolute legend. Um, he's incredible. But but same with you. Did you find that you were gravitating towards some particular type of enforcement or were you just happy doing all the general types of enforcement? So more so in 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 our department, um, unlike Chris's department at the sheriff's office, they are their own canine division. So all they do is answer canine calls if they want to be proactive, if they want to do some traffic stops, whatever they can do that. But they're they're job is just being responsive for canine calls, right? Whereas in my department, that's um, not the case. We are counted as patrol. So um, I do still have to answer calls, um, you know, calls for service. Uh, you know, if it's a, I, I do have to work accidents. If I get a, if I get a DWI, you know, we, we got to handle our business. Um, so Unlike Randy, who works a lot of the interstates and stuff, I would love to do interdiction. What Randy does, I just, I absolutely love, but my department does not, um, it's not conducive for that, uh, especially where we're at. And so 
know, I wouldn't say that I gravitated towards one thing like interdiction or, or something like that. Um, now I do love narcotics. I love taking narcotics and guns off the streets. Um, love chasing bad guys. So I guess just kind of well-rounded, um, whatever comes my way, I'm, I'm more than happy to take, um, you know, uh, you know, some, sometimes calls are, are very sparse. Um, so I will literally take whatever, whatever canine call comes my way. Um, I enjoy it all. You know, we, we do have some people who they only want to chase bad guys. They only want the, the patrol aspect of it, but I love the narcotics too. You know, it's a, it's a hide and seek game for the dog. Um, you know, when, so I love it. When you're on a shift, how many, how many troops are out there with you? So on night shift right now, I believe we have 16 with us. Um, but that's not always the case where we have that many on. Um, now we are fortunate where we patrol. We always have Houston police department and the sheriff's office. We overlap with both of them. So, you know, if something major does happen, you know, we always can rely on their assistance. Um, so, uh, yeah, but my department alone, um, I believe we have 16 on nights. Is that fully staffed for you or are you still short people? That's fully staffed. That's amazing. It is tough to find fully staffed departments in this day and age. Yeah. Now, with everybody on shift, that's a different story, you know, by the time <laughs> people calling go. in sick or taking off or, you know, it's oh, like, yeah. like last night, I, there was five of us for our, for our entire precinct. And, Instead you know, of so. 16? Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of those. Wow. Well, Hello. you know, well, by the time, you know, you get everybody's days off um, and then people, you know, everybody's scheduled well, but- days off. So on a regular have, night, on a regular night, how many are scheduled per night? Uh, it just, it fluctuates. Um, on a, on a solid night, I mean, hopefully we have, you know, between eight and 10, honestly. Okay. Um, now we have 16 slots. We have 16 people assigned to the shift, but you know. But that's what I mean. You got days off, vacation, days whatever off, else. Days off, vacation. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, on, on a fully staffed, heavy day that we consider like, oh yeah, we're going to go run and play. We're going to, you know, tear it up. We might have 10. <laughs> What are your hours for when you, for midnight? When, when do you guys, you guys work three twelves, four tens? What's the, what's so the work, schedule like? We work eights and uh, it's 10 PM to 6 AM. You work eights. Wow. Yeah. I didn't think anybody did that anymore. Yeah, we still do. We work eights. And you so. said earlier it was by choice. Why are you working midnights by choice? I love it. Um, so I was on nights when I first got hired on. That was the the shift that I got sent to. Um and I just, I love it. You know, honestly, in my opinion, it is one of the best shifts for the dog because people are, people are breaking it's into active. businesses, you know, yeah, yeah, it's active. Um, and you can get places fast. So, you know, Houston is a very large area. Um, and from point A to point B, you know, in the middle of traffic, I mean, it could take you like an hour, you know, and t- time is of the essence in, in some of these, these, um, incidents that occur. And so on nights, you know, I mean, if we're doing 120 down, down the freeway, it's, there's no traffic. I mean, we're, we're now getting, when you're going we're 120 places. way down the freeway, does your dog have its head out the window? No, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, he's still laying on his bed, sleeping like, okay, well, wake me up when we get there. Wake me when we get there. <laughs> All right. So walk us through now. So, um, you've been out on the street. We we're going to talk about a couple cases here in just a little bit, but, um, Tell us about your training regimen with the dog. What, what does a day look like for you uh, in terms of training? How often do you train? What things do you train on? Uh, and what makes your dog different? Uh, so we still train um, every week. Um, 
every Wednesday is our training day. And so we train eight hours a day um, every Wednesday. And what we're working on um, is narcotics. You know, so we're, we're putting narcotics in, in vehicles, um, throwing them out into grass, putting them in, in buildings, you know, that kind of thing, school lockers, whatever it may be. Um, so maintaining the dog's proficiency on narcotics. And then we're also doing bite work. Oh, my computer's about to update. Let me turn that off. Um, so, you know, we're, we're doing bite work. So whether it be building searches, tracks, uh, vehicle extractions, that kind of stuff. Um, we do a lot of obedience. We do a lot of, um, you know, just, just getting the dogs out, you know, we'll take them around an obstacle course or, you know, just, just stuff like that. We'll just, uh, you know, just getting them out. And so every night, um, you know, I'll, I'll work on his obedience, just kind of, you know, touch it up. I'll do some door pops. You know, I have a button on my, on my duty belt that if I hit it, you know, his door pops open. So I'll go, you know, around a corner of a building, pop it and call him to me, you know, kind of deal. It's, it's fun for the dog. It's fun for me, but it, it still keeps him, you know, kind of, um, quick question on that. Sure. The door pop. Does the door opening itself signal the dog that they need to spring into action or is it the command, is it the door pop plus the command? Cause what if you're in a situation where you can't give the command? It's the door pop. So that door, that particular door is the, um, passenger side. That door, especially for us, we don't, so when we're putting the dogs in, it's always on the driver's side. Um, when the passenger side door pops, that dog knows it is time for work. Time to it go is, 10 it, 8 or whatever you guys It is time call it, yeah. for business. Yeah. Um, whether I have to call him or not. So I can, I can literally, we, we can be sitting in the middle of a parking lot. He can be dead asleep and I can get out, whatever, leave him. I mean, wait 20 minutes, whatever. He can be dead asleep, whatever he wants to be doing in the car at the time. The second that door pops, that dog is coming out, running a hundred miles an hour, trying to find me. I don't even have to say a thing. Um, you know, he knows that when that when that particular door pops, it's time to eat or it's time to protect mom or it's time, it's time to do something. What's the reward for your dog? Sorry. Um, so on narcotics, he gets a tennis ball. Um, if we're doing like door pop drills like that, or, or, you know, obedience, I give him a tug, um, a, a fire hose tug. Nice. Yeah. Um, is it, is it normal for him to, like you talk about him laying down sleeping? It seems like the other dogs I've seen will stand up and watch where you go. They want to know where you are. So he will um, up until a certain point. Um, he's a very large dog. And I'm actually kind of grateful that he is as quiet in the car as he is, because there are some dogs who just spin and spin and spin and that wear and tear on those hips and elbows. And, you know, they're yeah. just barking nonstop and attacking the metal inside the car. Um, he's never been like that inside the car. So I'm very fortunate for that. But yeah, so my middle partition, um, you know, I, I keep open, he can stand up, he can look out and he will, you know, I'll, I'll catch him. Like I'll come out of the gas station and he's standing up with his head, you know, like right above my computer, looking out the windshield, you know, trying to see where I'm at kind of deal. Oh. Um, so yeah, he's always watching too, but don't get me wrong when it's quiet and slow. I mean, he, he enjoys his cat naps. <laughs> well, if I had a dog twirling around in my backseat barking all the time, I don't know who'd go first, him or me. It's like, I can't take this anymore. Right. Man. It's like, Right. Yeah. It, it's oh, wild. Yeah. You know, so, some of these dogs, the, the handlers are on the radio and it's just like, Hey, I'm on traffic ruff, 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 and you can't yeah. understand them. It's like, you know, so I'm, oh. I'm honestly thankful that Lamont's does not do that because it is kind of annoying. <laughs> Speaking of dogs on the radio, we had a guy back in Salina. I will not mention his name, but we made his middle name UL because he was on a radio call one night and this, you know, you get a barking dog complaint at two o'clock in the morning. Nobody wants to handle that stuff. So it's like nine Oh three, nine Oh three. Go ahead. 
903, woof, 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 no dog detected. I'll be back because, you know, I'm in 10 again. <laughs> so we, we started calling him UL for unable to locate, unable to locate dog. You know. That's funny. <laughs> but back to our regularly scheduled podcast. So yeah. um, you guys are having fun. You're, you're doing your work and stuff. So one day a week, you guys are doing training. So um, let's kind of, let's kind of talk a little bit about how long it took before um, you guys, like you, you started developing this rhythm, but you started getting involved in stuff. So let's talk about this one case I wanted to ask you about. And, uh, you, I think you said it happened a couple of years ago. So it started just from a traffic stop, just from a traffic light, you know, failure, failure to signal. Correct. So we're starting to get a couple suspects here. So just so people understand too, it's not like you're nitpicking and you write a ticket for everything that goes wrong, but we use a lot of these things like tag light out brake lights out, you know, one brake light out or some equipment violation, because it's a well-known fact that many uh, criminal types don't take care of their vehicles or they don't really care. And so having a cracked windshield or some vehicle defect is a great way to get what we call reasonable suspicion to stop a car. Now, for you untrained out there, a lot of people say, you didn't have probable cause to stop the car. No, I didn't. And you don't have to have, you have to have that to arrest. So talk about why you focus so much on traffic violations and things like that, that other people, other people might call nitpicking, but they're really a good way to get involved in stuff. So what people don't understand or realize is that the one thing that all criminals, whether they just committed a murder, a bank robbery, they just, you know, pushed an old lady down, down the stairs, whatever it may be. What is the one thing that all criminals have in common? They all have to drive. So even if their vehicle has all of the equipment up to date, you know, their registration's up to date, whatever, they may just so happen to forget to use their turn signal. And so part of my job in particular is trying to utilize my dog. So what that means is I am looking for things to get him into. Hey players, that is the end of part one with Deputy Madison Sperry and her dueling canines. In the next part, we'll get into a couple of the cases she's worked with her dogs and a very touching story at the end, so make sure you stay tuned for that in part two. In the meantime, head on over to our website, gameofcrimespodcast.com. We've got updated merch. We've got our mailing list. We've got the books that many of our guests have written. Also, we've got great pictures, a lot of good stuff over there. Also, Catch us on the socials, at Game of Crimes on Twitter, at Game of Crimes Podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. But where you have to be, where you have to be, where you have to be, you have to be at patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. We have the most fabulous content, and we're just announcing the launch of our new The Real DEA Narcos on The Real DEA Narcos Cali Edition. Chris Fox and Dave Feistel talking about the takedown of the gentleman of the Cali cartel. That series will be launching in July exclusively for Guardian of the Realm and Warden of the Throne levels, so make sure you check that out. In the meantime, stay tuned for Part 2, Deputy Madison Sperry and her dueling canines. And thank you once again for playing the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all, The Game of Crimes. <laughs> <laughs>